0: If you don't know yet, you will know after today. I love Christmas. I mean, I love Christmas, and I think one of my favorite all-time favorite movies at Christmas time is the Christmas Carol. And I don't even care what version. I love the Muppet Christmas Carol, which I, if you haven't watched it, you've got to watch that. I love the latest one that they just did with Jim Carrey, which is computer animated and it looks so real. Brian and I even went and saw it in 3D, got sick a little bit. I didn't realize that watching something like that in 3D as he's flying all around can make you motion sick. And I did have motion sickness eating my popcorn. I had to set it down. I told Brian, I said, I gotta take these glasses off for a while. I'm getting sick. So every time he went to fly, I had to set the glasses down. But I loved the Christmas Carol movie. So I even dug into it when I knew that God was laying that on my heart for our Christmas series, to do a spirit-filled Christmas carol. I dug into why. Why did Dickens write this story? What was the thought behind it? And so I want to share that with you this morning as we get started. Dickens called his little Christmas book a Christmas carol, carol being a song or a ballad, and he wanted to share of the joy of celebrating the birth of Christ. Dickens began writing his little carol in October 1843 and finished it by the end of November in time to be published for Christmas, one month. Feuding with his publishers, Dickens financed the publishing of the book entirely himself ordering lavish binding, gilt edging, and hand-colored illustrations, and then setting the price at five shillings, which in modern days would be about eight cents, so that everyone could afford it. The combination resulted in disappointingly low profits despite his high sales. In fact, in the first few days its release, the book sold 6,000 copies and its popularity continued to grow. The first and best of his Christmas books has become a Christmas tradition and is easily Dickens' best-known book. In his preface, preface, which was in his own handwriting when I was researching online, Dickens wrote that he intended his story to haunt us pleasantly. He did not want his tale to mire us in guilt and helplessness, but to lift us up in a spirit of justice and joy. The good news is that with God, we too have the opportunity to be transformed like our enlightened Scrooge. And then through Christ, we can, as they say in the book, know him and keep Christmas well through all our days. So over the next few weeks, we're going to focus on these three scenes and Scrooge's story, his past, his present, and his future. So today, this week, we're going to start with his past. So go ahead and show that little clip. Your past. Rise. And walk with me. <laughs> but I am able to... I am to fall. I was fled in this place. I was a boy yeah. here. Yeah Do you know that all the experiences that you have been through when you were a little child are dramatically impacting your life right now, even the ones that you think are irrelevant or insignificant? Your past is currently affecting your present, and it will keep affecting your future unless you go through a life transformation, not too unlike the one we saw our friend Scrooge go through. Scrooge held on to the memory of his schoolroom as a joyful memory at first glance. But once unfolded, we discovered that he was left year after year when other children went home on holiday neglected. Until one year, his younger sister, Fran, interceded for him, finally bringing him home. But it was too late. The damage had already been done, cementing in his life that he could never be loved like others. Psychology Today states this in an article. It says early childhood memories are the source from which children start to form their beliefs about the world. If, for example, a little child believed that his parents are giving more attention to his little sister than he, he might develop the belief that his parents don't love him the way they love his little sister. But how can this past event affect the life of that child later on? Well, simply, that child might always believe that someone else will be preferred over them wherever they go. When that child grows up and gets married, he will battle with feelings of insecurity and jealousy, believing that his wife is going to leave him or is even cheating on him. The old belief developed from his past that he is not worthy of anyone's complete love will impact the way this man sees and does life the rest of his life. I now can pinpoint events even in my past that were crippling my life because the, I went and I got counseling and I went through prayer sessions and healing sessions I know the damage that was done and those events that happened. I'll tell you, if you don't already know, I have the world's greatest parents. They're not perfect, but I do. I've always had a good relationship with them since leading them back to the Lord. Um, As a matter of fact, my mother I chose as my maid of honor, and Brian chose my dad as his best man. Twenty-five years ago they stood up with us in our wedding. We have a close relationship with them. Um, But there was things that happened in my past. I mean, I know as early as kindergarten, and we were putting on a Winnie the Pooh play, and I told my mom, I was so excited, I was piglet in the play, and you can't miss it, you can't miss it, you gotta be there. And I have three lines, I remembered, I had three lines in that whole play, and you gotta see it and waited and waited and waited, and I kept peeking out from behind the curtain to see if she was showing up. If she, I knew my dad couldn't. He worked at GM, and, um, but I kept looking, for, kept looking for my mom. And, I mean, I remember the teacher right beside me saying, you got to go on, you got to go on, you know, and pushed me out there, and I did my little three lines. I sounded more like Eeyore than I did Piglet, and then ran back off the stage and right down into the empty classroom and, and cried the rest of the day until um, finally, she told me I had to go walk home because we were, back in those days, you know, you could be five years old and trusted to walk two or three blocks, you know, and knew that no neighbor was going to scoop you up either. And and I remembered that, you know, I thought, okay, and I don't even remember what her excuse was. I, I'm sure it was a good excuse. I'm sure something happened, but, you know, through prayer and through counseling, that had marred my relationship with my mother. And there was other things that, you know, I don't need to sit here and tell you all those um, events that happen, but that not just marred but crippled my relationship or my ability to relate to other people because of past events. And so what we're going to talk about today is that we have to, like Scrooge was, get taken back to those events with God so that he can pinpoint those events heal those, release you from those so that you can go on to fulfill the plan and the call that he has for your life, not crippled, not marred, not wounded, but whole and and healthy. 1905 philosopher George Sanatana said, probably crucified his last name there, Santiana, Santiana, I think that's it, He said, those who do not remember the past are doomed to repeat it. There are great lessons to be learned from the past, and we need to learn from them so that we don't exhaust our strength by repeating the past mistakes and bad choices. You know, in marriage, we learn lessons all the time. In your Marriage, you can learn a bad lesson and think that's the correct lesson because of a lack of communication or a a wrong assumption. If we don't go back and discuss, and, you know, at times you got to wait until you cool off. You know, if there was an argument or there was an event that occurred, we'll just call it that. Wait the next day or two days. But you have to go back to that event and learn from it. And say things like, you know, boy, that got out of hand. What could I have said? What could I have done? Brian and I just went through this, what, not even a month ago, where I don't even know why I got, well, I do know why I got so upset, you know? And he, you know, next day, I think it was when we sat down, and, you know, he thought the best thing to do was to leave me alone when I got upset. I was standing in the kitchen waiting for him to come after me because I was upset. But see, he had learned. He goes, well, I learned a long time ago. I said, yeah, because our marriage has been really good all those years. That Let's take lessons from the past. No, we need to learn from the past, but be able to communicate, talk them out, bring them to the light, and let Jesus teach us from the past, but also teach us the right lessons that we need to learn. So in marriage, we need to sit down and be able to communicate with each other and say, you know, what should I have done? Um, What should I have said? What would have uh, extinguished that event or fixed that event? So it doesn't happen again. We need to learn from those events. Otherwise, we are doomed to repeat them. You ever find yourself in a conflict, even with a, a family member or a sister or a friend, and you're like, why is this the same fight? We always go back and fight over the same things. My feelings always get hurt over the same thing. Well, it's because you haven't went back to it. Find out what happened. Why did you get upset? What was said? What did that individual do? Learn from those past mistakes. Otherwise, you are doomed to repeat them. I mean, just look at the Bible. Look at the Old Testament. Look how many times in the Old Testament Did the children of God go from righteousness, followed by, oh, they slipped into wickedness, into destruction, then they cried out for help, God would send them a deliverer, and then there would be a brief time of righteousness, and then what would happen again? They would slip back into wickedness, into their destruction. It was a cycle that was repeated over and over again. In 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it says these things happen to them as examples for us. We can stop this cycle. We can learn from our past. We can learn from other people's past, from other people's mistakes, from other people's bad choices. We can learn from these past examples examples, and choose to break this cycle by surrendering to God and choosing to follow his plan for our life. You see, his plan is without trouble. If you're finding yourself falling into trouble a lot, it's not God's plan that you're following. We also know that with past trauma, there can, it can trigger a present addiction or a habit. Some have even built up walls to keep people from getting too close after these traumas. These are called coping mechanisms. They seem to be justified at the time. I'm never going to let anybody hurt me like that again. I'll teach them, right? And I'll do blah, 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 or I'll do this, or I'll just forget about it, so I'll open this bottle or I need to blow off steam, so I'll go inhale a bit of steam, you know, well, whatever it is. It seems justifiable at the time. These coping mechanisms, though, only blind us to dealing with the real problem. Our beloved Scrooge was so traumatized by his past neglect in that schoolroom that he chose to place his love and his attention on something that he didn't have to rely on its reciprocation, reciprocation, which was money. He knew that he could vow to never be in anyone else's debt, whether by love or by finances. Yet when he did meet a young lady who had him hoping for a true love that would last, his past hindered him from believing it could ever be true. Greed was his coping mechanism, and it was crowding her out of his heart. Until one Christmas, sitting on a park bench, she released him from their engagement to pursue, as she put it, what mattered most to him. This only drove him deeper into his bad choice of misplaced affection, his coping mechanism. Even long after the trauma is gone, our coping method continues to cripple us, keeping us from being whole and being healed. Two huge events in Scrooge's past, one he had no control of in the schoolroom. He had no control of that. And one in the park scene that was brought on by his bad choices. Even when these past events are from our own bad choices, God still offers freedom and healing. In Psalms 103, starting in verse 10, it says, God has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor will he reward us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, So great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And I'm not talking about a fear that trembles because you hear dad's bell on clicking and coming down the hallway. I'm talking about a fear that you love God so much that you honor him. It's a holy awe. It's a bowing of your heart, that it's admitting admitting that we need him. We need a savior. These things that happen in our past mar, warp, and even cripple our behavior and our future. God wants to take us back to these scenes, point out the error, give us the strength to forgive, heal the past wounds, and then set us free to live the life that God intended for us. We continue to go around that same mountain over and over and over again until we finally stop and turn it over to God. Say, I'm tired. Tired of this. I'm tired of always coming up against this same issue, this same problem. Why is it that I can't have freedom? Well, when you continue, like I've told you before, when you continue to hide, God God cannot heal. He said, I cannot heal what you continue to hide. So open it up in all your areas of your life and your past. See, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the God of your past, of your present, and of your future. But you have to allow him to be. God is not looking for a perfect people. As a matter of fact, most of the heroes in Scripture came from a broken past, some by their own bad choices and some by the choices of others. And just to name a few, I had a whole list of them. Mary. Mary's um, close to my heart because, you know, she made a lot of bad choices. As a matter of fact... When we first meet her, she's thrown at the feet of Jesus, expecting judgment and death for her bad choices. And instead, Jesus offers her freedom. He offers her redemption, restoration, forgiveness, and freedom. And then, of course, he says, now go, sin no more. But the next time we see Mary, well, we see her a lot of times, but the next very important part, most scholars believe she was the same Mary that was at the feet of Jesus who was reclining at the table and then opened up her box, her alabaster jar, whatever you want to call it, the most expensive gift that she held on to, the most precious treasure she held on to and broke it at the feet of Jesus, just loving on him. Remember in the... the People standing around said, you know, if he only knew what kind of woman. He knew what kind of woman was there at his feet. And he said, you know what? Who's forgiven much, loves much. He who's forgiven little, loves little. When we have a past that, let's just say we're not too um, thrilled to talk about, when Jesus offers us forgiveness and picks us up, dust us off, we're the ones that can love more than others because we've been forgiven more. Her past could have kept her locked up in a prison of guilt, but Mary chose to live a life that would give honor to her Redeemer. David was a man that was marred in his past, not by his own choices. I mean, I'm not talking about later on. I'm talking about early on in his life, by the choices, bad choices of other people. Think about it. When the prophet came to his house, his son, his son, his father didn't even feel that he was worthy enough to call him in from the field. When the prophet said, I'm here to name one of your sons as king, it's like, oh, here all they are. Oh, don't worry about David. He's just a puny 15-year-old. We're going to leave him out there in the field. But it was that 15-year-old that was chosen as king. But he didn't get to take his kingship right then. He didn't get to sit on the throne right then. Then for the next 15 years, they think, it was 15 years, he ran for his life, not because of anything he did wrong. But simply he was following God's plan for his life. God anointed him as king. And it's coming, but now you're going to run for your life for the next 15 years from the current king who wants to kill you. Those things could have crippled his, the rest of his life. But he knew God was the God of his past, of his present, and of his future. And if he just trusted him, he would take care of everything. As a matter of fact, later on, God called him a man after his own heart a heart that could have been hardened by those 15 years, a heart that could have been very cynical, could have been very judgmental, could have been walled with insecurities, a lack of trust in people, but was a man after God's own heart because he allowed God to heal him and keep him healed from those bad choices that could have marred his future. Both had to not only let go of the past, but allow God to heal them of their past. So for us, in order to experience this life transformation, a healing from our past, we need to give God our past, give him our trash for his triumph. I want you to turn with me over to Isaiah 61. Let's look at this scripture together. I'm going to read it to you out of the New International Version. But this is it. God wants to give us his triumph, his victory, not because of anything we've done, more so because of everything we haven't done. When we come and say, here it is, here's my crippled past, here's my crippled life, heal me make me whole. In Isaiah 61, starting there at verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners For the display of his splendor. And then look down at verse 7. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. Down at verse 10 it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the soil makes the sprout come up, And a garden causes seeds to grow, listen to this, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. It's only God who can bring beauty from ashes. In the deepest, darkest part of your past, God can make righteousness and praise spring up He can turn your disgrace into his praise because of his grace. Your disgrace don't have to be with you. The shame that you feel from your past, whether it's from other people's choices or your own stupid, dumb, bad choices we all make, you don't have to continue to live with that shame and that disgrace. God can make his Righteousness and praise spring up out of that. But what do we have to do? We have to let them into those areas. Think about some of the events from your past that may be warping or even crippling your ability to be all that God created you to be. Some events like Scrooge's schoolroom, events that happened in your past that you had absolutely no control of. Maybe a parent or a teacher said that you would never amount to anything, and you've unconsciously been living this belief. Perhaps you grew up in an extremely dysfunctional family, and this wounded your self-esteem and has been fueling your insecurities. You physically grew into an adult, but emotionally you are still that crippled little boy or little girl. Or like Scrooge's park bench, passed. You made some wrong choices. Again, let's just call them um, things you're now ashamed of. We all have them. You may have even developed a coping mechanism, an addiction, a bad habit, placed walls around that area. In your heart from this past trauma that you need freedom from. It's not your fault. You don't have to stay punished for your past. Jesus died so you could have freedom from it. God said in Isaiah that we just read, he wants to step into our past. He wants to heal our broken hearts. He wants to tear down those walls. He needs our whole heart. In order for you to live the life God has destined for you, he needs your whole heart, whole and healed. He wants to give us the freedom. He wants to release us from the prison of guilt and shame. And he wants to give us everlasting joy he wants to give us a double portion in this land he said not just in heaven to come but in this land so when you find yourself standing on life's stage whatever direction you go from here is your choice look at your past look at the past travels do you want to keep going in the same direction or is today time for you to take a new road? You know, Steve Jobs, Jobs, founder of the Apple, passed away in 2011. He said, for the past 33 years, I have looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I am about ready to do today? And he said, and whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. Change one thing, change your direction. Knowing that our past choices have made us the person we are today should guide our decisions for who we want to become in the future. You choose, you choose. You can't control what people might do to you, but you choose how you will let that affect your life. You choose. Although we need to remember the past to avoid repeating it, for a life transformation, we need to hand our past to our Savior. God wants to give us beauty for ashes, his triumph for our trash. we have to let go of those ashes we have to let go of that trash open the door let him in every area of our past and our heart let's pray Father I love your ability to take even a movie from today and put your principles right in the middle of it, and teach us lessons in our life, modern-day parables for us to be able to simply understand how you work through a cartoon. Thank you, God, that you are so simple, so loving, so understanding of our human nature. And God, I just take the knowledge of what we learn today, that you do want to be the king, even, of our past. And that you want to take us back and pinpoint those areas in our past that have crippled us, marred us, that maybe have even triggered these coping mechanisms that brought addictions or habits, bad habits, or even built walls around us. And you want to remove them from us Heal us from it. Set us free. So God, right now, just in the next few minutes of silence, God, I want us to just set before you in your presence and allow you as we we just open our heart up to you and open our past up, every area, God, in this silent time, we just want to open up before you and let you have your way. Take us by the hand and take us back to those events. Pinpoint those events in our life. Teach us. Give us the strength to forgive, even ourselves, if it was brought on by our own bad choice. Teach us to let go of those that have hurt us from other people's bad choices. God, big. Bring triumph from our trash. Bring beauty from our ashes. Just move, Lord, right now. Just move in our hearts. We trust you. We trust you with these areas. God, life has taught us that we can't always trust humans, but we can always trust you. And no matter what may or has happened to us by others, you are always trustworthy, and you can always heal And when you place your robe of your righteousness on us, it shields us from the arrows of the enemy or even arrows from our loved ones, hurts that come from those that are supposed to be the closest to us and supposed to love us the most, that your robe of righteousness even protects our heart from them in those situations. God, we just ask right now that you just pour your righteousness, your mercy, your grace, your loving, your healing over each and every one of the people that's here today. Let wholeness of heart, healing of pasts, spring up like righteousness and praise for you. Let the things that we were once ashamed of, those things that imprisoned us with guilt and shame, now bring you praise and glory. For it's you, God, that set us free. It's by your glory, by your grace, by your mercy, by your love, by your sacrifice, that those who were once like Mary, caught in the very act of adultery, are welcome at your feet now. To love you, to praise you, to be used by you for your glory, God. We thank you, we thank you. I just want to encourage you as we're closing with a few scriptures. Philippians 3, Paul says, Forgetting what is behind, straining forward toward what is ahead. Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called you heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting it. Once God has healed you from it, let it go. Don't go back to it. Don't walk back in that prison and shut the door. Ephesians 4 says, Throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life, and let the Spirit of God renew your thoughts and your attitude, and put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous, truly holy. And remember, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. Today, let today be that day that you are a new creation. No longer marred, no longer crippled, no longer imprisoned by your past. Father, we just thank you for today. Thank you for this time that we spent today. Thank you for the life transformations that are beginning to happen, God. Even in the Christians that have been saved for so many years, God, that we too can have a life transformation every day because we let you in our past, our present, and our future, not to just be a, a... a titled king, not just call you king, but to let you be king. Have all authority in all our life at all times. Be glorified in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen.